Alright, what's up? Welcome back to the JG3 Experience Podcast. As always, we're presented by Upstate Social, the destination for residents, by residents. Upstate Social is your destination for everything you need to enhance your social life in the greater capital region. For anyone unaware of what the capital region is, it is essentially anything north of Westchester, through the Hudson Valley, up until about Lake George, including a little bit east and west along the New York State Thruway and the Northway. Great content, great powerful females leading the way to better social lives for all. Follow Upstate Social on all social media platforms at Upstate Social NY and check out their website, UpstateSocialNY.com. Upgrade your social calendar by checking out Upstate Social now. Episode number 14 today, yes. Can you believe it indeed? Two podcasts so close together, I know. That's going to be the formula, at least for now. I'm going to try and at least attempt about one a week. I don't know how long I'll be able to have the stamina for it, but I'm going to certainly try for everybody out there. The weekly outline I'm looking at is probably Podcast Monday with a new column releasing on Wednesday, so we'll see how that all goes. I'll be releasing this podcast in a written form in the column this week. That way all my picks and analysis on the NFL season of 2020 will be in writing for the world to see. And I do think it will make for a compelling compare and contrast to see how all these picks work out and come to fruition as we get to December and January. Fingers crossed that the season starts on time. So that is going to be this week's column that will be out on Wednesday. Quick programming note here, make sure you go and check out the website, jg3experience.com. That is where you're going to find the column I just referenced on there. You're also going to see my novels on there and all the old podcasts that we've done. I'm trying to add as much content to the site as I can, so make sure you go and check that out. And as always, Dead Still Dance, my novel is available for purchase on Amazon. I recently recorded a breakdown of the story and the writing process for it. And that's going to go up on the website soon as well. Let's not waste any more time. i got a lot to get to with the NFL schedule release and the over-unders. It's time to ante up with episode number 14 of the JG3 Experience podcast, which starts right now. So the NFL schedule reveal, it's always a day on the calendar for me. A lot of great matchups to look forward to as always. At first glance, I always look at the primetime games and work my way backwards. My overall breakdown of the schedule really is that the the Thanksgiving Day slate was poor. And it's getting tougher when Detroit continues to be almost unwatchable and they put Washington against Dallas. Plus Baltimore at Pittsburgh doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I know that that matchup has been great in years past, but I don't know. It's just it's not doing as much for me as it used to. Christmas Day game on a Friday, Minnesota at New Orleans is a very good pick. I do think that'll be a great weekend because we're going to get four days straight of NFL games. Turning to the primetime schedule, I was not overly impressed with the Thursday night football schedule, although I never truly am because you have to get every team in there, which makes it a tough balance because then you have decisions like, well, do we put two strong teams up against one another or do we try and balance it out with a strong team versus a weak one? Those things can be difficult. Outside of that, though, I think the Texans are a fairly weak choice for the opener against Kansas City. And the next three weeks of games are not super interesting, which is not a coincidence since none of those games will be on Fox. I will watch my Jets Week 4, but if I was a casual fan, that doesn't do anything for me. You get Brady Week 5 and Mahomes Week 6. The Giants are on here twice, with both games on the road. First in Week 7 against Philly, and then in Week 9 at San Francisco, which should be a blowout. It's a tough game for them to play Thursday especially having to play Thursday twice in three weeks. If 
Falcons, Panthers, Colts, Titans, and Cardinals, Seahawks are all non-interesting divisional games. Then the Ravens play weeks 13 and 15 against the Cowboys and Chargers. Both games at home for Baltimore. Patriots go to LA to face the Rams in between that, and that's it. Best matchup in terms of records last year is the opener, actually. And the only other game on the NFL night schedule that features two playoff teams is Kansas City at Buffalo. Again, it's difficult because you got to fit everybody in there, but not a lot of good games on Thursday night. Sunday night football schedule is always very solid, especially since it's always subject to change because of the flexing. I don't think much of the schedule will be changed, though, and the key to determining that is you always have to look at the possibilities of games that could be flexed into those spots. And I think barring some big surprises, they kept a lot of teams out of the Sunday night football schedule. The only outliers really are Buffalo at home in Week 14 versus Pittsburgh and Tennessee in Week 16 at Green Bay. Dallas has three Sunday night games. San Francisco has three. Green Bay, three. Tampa Bay, two. Philadelphia, two. Kansas City, two. Seattle, two. Vegas, two. Rams, two. New England, two. And the Saints, two. There's actually only 18 different teams that appear on the Sunday night football schedule which is nearly only half the league, so you're going to be seeing a lot of the same teams on Sunday night. But again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of those teams are the ones you really want to see anyway. Weeks 5 to 9, I think, will stay pretty firm in terms of potential flexing. Where you could maybe see some changes would be weeks 10 to 16, where I don't know if Lamar Jackson can carry a week 10 game at New England. If New England really struggles out of the gate and is like 2-6 and six or 1-7 and seven or something like that. There is San Fran at New Orleans that week that could maybe move it, but Fox will probably try and protect that game, I would imagine, so probably not. Since Week 7 is in Vegas, I don't know if Week 11 would be necessary, but I don't know if you can move Mahomes off Sunday night, so that game probably stays. Bears-Packers Week 12 I would definitely consider, but again, it's tough because that is Thanksgiving week, and CBS will almost certainly block Kansas City at Tampa Bay. And then you run into the maximums of primetime games teams can play then because then you have Kansas City again on Sunday night, Week 13 at Denver. Week 14, I could certainly see a shift if they can get Minnesota at Tampa Bay or even the Jets at Seattle if the Jets are halfway decent. New Orleans at Philly could be an option. Again, when you get down this far in the schedule, it's a balancing act between how many primetime games each team has played because they are limited, I believe, to six outside of Week 17 where anybody can play in that spot which could very well be the same matchup as last year with Seattle and San Francisco playing the last week of the season again, only this time it would be in San Francisco. So there's certainly a lot of good matchups on Sunday night. Most of the teams I think we all want to see are all on there in some capacity in some sort of matchup. Monday Night Football, which has notoriously been hosed in recent years and has had some terrible games, especially later on in the year, and you've had to listen to Joe Tessitor keep you in it in any way he can, and they're actually, him and Booger McFarlane appear to be out on Monday Night Football, so we don't even know who's going to be announcing although I do think they did get a nice scheduling break this year, ESPN did. Outside of the opening week, Saints at Rams week two to open up the new stadium in Las Vegas is fun. Chiefs at Ravens arguably is the best game of the year in week three. Falcons at Packers week four, those two teams always seem to play really nice, exciting games. Chargers at Saints week five, the Superdome is always a great atmosphere on Monday night, and we could potentially see Justin Herbert in that game if the Chargers struggle out of the gate. Week six through 11 is not super, Cardinals at Cowboys, Bears at Rams, Buccaneers at Giants, New England at the Jets, and then Minnesota at Chicago and Rams at the Bucks. Brady is in there twice, but that's about it. Weeks 12 to 14 are good with Seattle at Philly, Bills at 49ers, and then Ravens at Browns, and then it's rounded out with Steelers at Bengals and Bills at Patriots. And when I looked at this, I was thinking, when was the last time the Bills played two games on Monday night and have a Sunday night game all in one season? I think it's a big deal for the Bills, and that's going to be fantastic for their fan base. And there are a lot of strong matchups in the Monday night lineup. 
So some notable games from each week I have listed. We got week one, Houston at Kansas City, Tampa Bay at New Orleans, Green Bay at Minnesota, and Cleveland at Baltimore. A lot of really good games to open up the year. Week two, you got Minnesota at Indianapolis, Baltimore at Houston, and New Orleans at Vegas on Monday night. Week three, Kansas City at Baltimore Monday night, Green Bay at New Orleans, and Tampa Bay at Denver. Week four, you got Philadelphia at San Francisco. Week five, Minnesota at Seattle. Week six, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. Week 7, San Francisco at New England and Tampa at Vegas. Week 8, you got San Francisco at Seattle. Week 9, you got Green Bay at San Francisco in a rematch of the NFC title game last year. Baltimore at Indianapolis and New Orleans at Tampa Bay for the second time. Week 10, you get San Francisco at New Orleans. Again, a nice rematch from that epic game they played last year. Week 11, Green Bay at Indianapolis, Kansas City at Las Vegas, and the Rams at Tampa Bay. Week 12, you got Kansas City at Tampa Bay, which will be one of the better ones of the year, I think, and most coveted. Seattle at Philadelphia that week as well. Week 13, you get Dallas at Baltimore, Philadelphia at Green Bay, Denver at Kansas City, and Buffalo at San Francisco on Monday night. Week 14, Minnesota at Tampa Bay, New Orleans at Philadelphia, Baltimore at Cleveland. Week 15, Kansas City at New Orleans. Again, that's going to be one of the better games of the year, too. Week 16, Minnesota at New Orleans. Again, that's the Christmas game. And Week 17, there really isn't a great matchup outside of Seattle and San Francisco. Now, I want to do a top 10 games to look forward to for this year, but I want to preface it on something. I don't like to pick divisional games in this scenario, just because teams in division obviously play twice a year. So how do you pick one game over the other? So the way I break that tie is if one is a primetime game versus the other not being, or if there's a debut of some sort like the Buccaneers versus Saints Week 1 because Brady is going to be debuting for Tampa, that one's on the list. There's going to have to be major exceptions to get on my list for a divisional game. I tried to pick some games outside the box a little bit because, yes, I could have easily picked five Tampa Bay or Kansas City or New Orleans games, and there's still plenty of them on that list because they deserve to be, but I really did try to pick a couple of outliers and make a case for each of them. So with that in mind, let's run through it. Here's my list of top 10 games to look forward to in 2020. Number 10, we got Week 2 Minnesota and Indianapolis. It's Phillip Rivers' home debut for the Colts who I do think will be a playoff team and will win that division, versus a very talented Minnesota roster. My eyes are going to be on Rivers in that game. It's going to be weird to see him in a different uniform. And if it weren't for the Colts playing on the road in Week 1 against Jacksonville, I probably would have picked their first game. And this is a real good matchup of two teams I expect will be playoff teams. Game number 9, Week 13, Monday Night Football, Buffalo at San Francisco. This is the ultimate Chris Berman game. He picked this matchup for the Super Bowl in the 90s like eight years in a row or something ridiculous. But I look at this game later on in the year as a real tester for Buffalo. They are the team expected to take the next step and be the team to take over and win the AFC East. You get Josh Allen versus Jimmy G in primetime. There aren't too many Bills games that will draw me to a television, but I think this game will have major implications for them. And I am curious to see how Buffalo shows up in what I believe could be their 2020 season coming out party heading into the playoffs if they are in that position. Week 11, Green Bay at Indianapolis in number 8. Rodgers versus Rivers, another Indianapolis home game where they always seem to play really exciting games. I could totally envision this thing being a shootout where Rodgers makes some magical plays and they just keep cutting to it on the Red Zone channel because there's so much action in it. I'm curious if Rivers has a real good year for Indy and most people get to see him in the normal 1 o'clock window all season long instead of that 425 time consistently all those years in San Diego and LA. And if that will change the perception of him. It's a fascinating matchup of two of the better QBs to ever play the game. Number 7, Week 16, we got the Christmas Day game, like I said earlier, Minnesota at New Orleans. Minnesota has eliminated the Saints in two of the last three playoffs in epic fashion. Final play of the game weighs in each one. 
These are two of the better rosters in the league, both of whom will likely be in the postseason, and whenever they get together, it does seem like they play an instant classic game. Number six, you get week six, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, Brady's versus Rodgers. I mean, need I say more than that? Game number five, week one, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Brady versus Breeze will always be a top 10 game to me. This one especially because it's Brady's first game in a different uniform, and it should be a fantastic matchup with two of the better teams in the NFC. And we get to see this matchup twice, but the first one will be special because of Brady changing teams. The number four game of the year I have is week 12, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. Brady versus Mahomes, and again, just like Brady versus Rodgers, do I really need to say anything else? Number three, we get week 15, you get Kansas City at New Orleans. It's a Sunday 425 start. Breeze versus Mahomes in this game is one above the Kansas City at Tampa Bay matchup for two different reasons. First, I think the Superdome is a better home venue than Tampa, and second, I think New Orleans should be better than Tampa Bay. Game number two, you're either going to get week eight or week 17, and I think whichever game will carry more weight in the schedule, and that's San Francisco and Seattle. Seattle is one of my favorite teams to watch. I absolutely love Russell Wilson. I still cannot believe how late people have been to the party on him. I've held him in high regard since the beginning. And with as good a game as they played last year in both matchups they had, and both teams you could argue were better than they were last year, these two matchups are going to be absolutely fantastic. I do anticipate the division being up in the air Week 17 when Seattle goes down to San Francisco. So the Week 17 matchup, so long as everything does line up between them, should be and will be one of the best games of the year. And in the top spot, like I said it earlier, on Monday Night Football Week 3, Chiefs at Ravens, Lamar versus Mahomes again. This probably should have been the AFC title game last year. And this game is early in the season, so you hope and have better odds of everyone being completely healthy. This game last year was buried in the schedule since it was a Sunday 1 o'clock start, but not this year. These two teams, Monday night, warm weather still in Baltimore late September. This should be the most anticipated matchup of the year, and I think it's convincingly that way. So that's the first glance at the top 10 games to look forward to, in my opinion, on the 2020 schedule. It was tough narrowing it down to 10, but somebody must do the heavy lifting around here. Let's take a short break before getting into the over-unders. Today's episode of the JG3 Experience podcast is presented by Upstate Social. You're probably wondering just exactly what Upstate Social is. Well, let me tell you what excitement you're missing out on without knowing. Upstate Social is the best thing to hit the lifestyle and happening scene in the greater capital region. That's Upstate New York for all of you that may not know that. Upstate Social is more than just a suggestions page or a fancy profile highlighting the capital region's best attributes. They offer the very best in enhancing your social life. From day trippers, cool day trip ideas for excursions throughout the region, to food and drink options, highlighting the best and newest places to satisfy your palate, to regional events, there is a ton happening around the region no matter the time of year. I'm a member of this demographic and region now and it's been a huge boost in getting to know the areas and what's going on, especially as an outsider moving up into the region. They are constantly keeping you up to date on everything you need to know that's going on here. The best part for me is being a guy, I get good insight and ideas for activities I can do with my girlfriend that she will actually want to do, something I think most guys struggle with. It's been a lifesaver in that regard and can certainly help your relationship getting good ideas from Upstate Social. Check out the awesome brand two millennials from Columbia and Rensselaer counties respectively. Kelly Richards and Jenna Hebert have built to enhance your social life. Their passion for exploring, eating, and supporting the region in any way possible has given them the knowledge and insight in crafting great social happenings. 
Visit them and the brand at upstatesocialny.com. That's upstatesocialny.com. And on social media, their handle is at upstatesocialny. Again, that is at upstatesocialny with no spaces or underscores. Your social life deserves a serious upgrade. You're welcome. Take advantage of their suggestions today. Upstate Social, the destination for residents, by residents. All right, on to the over-under section of the main event. This would normally go in a segment like Weekend Winners today, but since there are future bets and there's no immediate return, these outcomes will be determined until mid-December at the earliest, so we're going to call this a continuation of the main event as a part two, if you will. Now, a quick note about this. If you're not familiar with the gambling aspect of sports or as familiar, specifically the over-unders I'm about to go through, these are known as future bets where the sportsbook sets a total number of wins for the season for every team in the league. If you pick the over, the team must win more games than the number the sportsbook has set. If you pick the under, you expect that team to win less games than the number the sportsbook has set. Push happens when the number set by the sportsbook is right on the nose, and in some cases this can happen if there is a .5 attached to a team, which is pretty commonplace. Most teams are not on even numbers. Every sportsbook is different, so no two places have every single number the same. For my picks, all the over-under numbers are provided by the Rivers Casino Sportsbook in Schenectady, New York. That's where I place my bets and will be doing so this upcoming NFL season. So, these numbers might be a little different compared to where you make your picks, whether you're an online person on Bovada, or you hit the FanDuel or DraftKings Sportsbooks in Jersey, or Colorado, or wherever you are. But let's get into it. Going into the season, this will be an unprecedented season because of the coronavirus pandemic, as you all are aware. There will not be any OTAs. The draft was virtual. Team facilities have been closed for months now. I think you're going to see a season like a lockout shortened offseason type of year like we had in 2011. During those times in that season, teams with stability, head coach, coordinator, and QB had the most success. And I do think that is exactly what is going to happen this year team with a new head coach, a new coordinator, a new quarterback will likely struggle, especially I think in September and early October because of these reasons. My over-under picks will reflect that. They will also reflect the real possibility that stadiums will not have any fans this season, which will take away from home field advantage, even though road teams did particularly well last year, especially straight up and against the spread. I think that was also more of an anomaly because it was kind of at an all-time rate that road teams were winning or at least covering in a lot of those games. So here we go. Let's cue the music. Here are the over-unders for the 2020 NFL season starting in the AFC. Buffalo Bills come in at 9.0. I have them at even. I think the Bills overachieved last season in terms of wins. They played a weak schedule where the only win against a winning team they had last year was against Tennessee, and that was early in the season when Mariota was playing quarterback. They beat the Jets, Giants, Bengals, Dolphins twice, Redskins, Broncos, Cowboys, and Steelers. All the teams with good QBs, Patriots twice, Eagles, Ravens, all losses. Most of their easy games last year were at home. This season, they must go to San Francisco, to Denver, to Las Vegas, to Tennessee. They're three divisional opponents, plus they must play the LA Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs, LA Rams, and Seattle Seahawks at home. This schedule is exponentially harder than it was last year, and I think nine wins is right on the nose for them. Three to four in-division wins. Maybe they go to Arizona or Las Vegas or both and win. You know they will win at least one or two of those big home games since Buffalo is such a tough place to play. Fans are no fans, and I think they get to nine wins. If I had to bet it, I would take the over just because I do think they are the best team in the AFC East and should win the division. But if we're talking practicality here, 
I think it's an even, but overall I do think it's a, ge- a bet that you stay away from. Miami Dolphins are next at 6.0, and I'm going to take the over. I think this is one of the easiest ones on the board. Miami was notoriously tanking last year and still won five games. I think Brian Flores is a very good coach. They have made serious upgrades on defense. They had a phenomenal draft. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick plays most of the season, and you may see Tua late. But even if Tua starts day one, I still think this team is exponentially better than a year ago, and they only have to win one more game than last year for a push. They get all their toughest opponents outside of San Francisco at home. They play the Chiefs, Chargers, Rams, and Seahawks all at home. And I think if they'll find a way to win one of those games. They will beat Cincinnati and Miami. It's a tougher schedule this year than last, but I think they still find a way to win three to four games in the division. They always steal a game or two at home early in the year because teams are just not ready for the Miami humidity. They should beat Jacksonville on the road. I think they're just over the number and they win seven games and go seven and nine. Next up is New England Patriots. They are set at nine wins. And this is another easy one for me and one of the biggest question marks I've seen on the over-under win totals coming from all the sports books. I just don't see how the Patriots can be favored to win this division with the complete lack of talent on offense and all the defensive guys they got rid of on defense. I think you're going to see just how much Brady carried this franchise over the years more so than Belichick. People are betting on Belichick and I think it was more Brady than him over the years. This year will certainly show that in my opinion. Do you really think Brady is only worth two more wins than Jared Stidham, a guy that has never really played yet outside of a few relief performances? I'm just not ready to buy that stock. That doesn't even include the first place schedule they have to play with the division around them improving as well. They must go to Kansas City, to Houston, to LA to play both the Rams and the Chargers, to Seattle. They play Baltimore and the 49ers at home. They have seven games against playoff opponents from a year ago, and I think they could easily lose all of those. And I think the Patriots are closer to a six or seven win team as their ceiling with eyes on Trevor Lawrence in next year's draft. So definitely the under on New England. Last team in the division, the New York Jets, six and a half. I'm going to take the over on this one, and I think it was difficult for me to do that, especially being a Jets fan. I just try to stay away from betting them and doing picks and overall suggestions on them, although I do feel that I've been removed from my fandom much more as I've gotten older. They've had a good offseason and a good draft. I think they addressed their biggest issue, the offensive line. They get C.J. Mosley back healthy, and I do think their defense will be better. But this number depends a lot on Sam Darnold. He did go 7-6 and six last year, missing those other games with Mono, and they did win 7 games last year. I don't think they're a worse team than they are a year ago. If anything, they are about the same, so it comes down to the schedule for me, which is not super favorable, which is why I'm a little weary on picking over 6.5. they got to go to L.A. to play both teams. They go to Seattle, they go to Kansas City, they go to Indianapolis, which are all tough games. They get all the easier games at home outside of San Francisco. They do have to play Cleveland, who I think will be better. It's a tough start to the season. They do have a really brutal first seven weeks. It seems like the last couple of years they really have been burned with the schedule being tougher early on. I think they will fall one win on either side of the six and a half line. I don't think they're a playoff team in either sense. I think it really is a perfect line. I do believe in the development of Sam Darnold, and I do think he'll continue to progress, so I am going to go over but I could see them as a six-win team as well. On to the AFC North, we go Baltimore Ravens are at 11. I'm going to go over with this one. Now, this is one of the best teams in the league. You could argue their roster is better than it was last year, and they should remain just as hungry with their early postseason exit. But I find it very difficult to win 12 games year over year. If there is a team that could do it, though, it is this Ravens team, especially with the way the schedule lines up. 
They don't travel further than the central time zone for any game, and their schedule's weak for a team that went 14-2 and a year ago. They play Tennessee and Kansas City at home, their two toughest opponents. They get to play the weak NFC East and the AFC South. Plus, the AFC East first-place team, New England, is not the same type of first-place rollover scheduling like in years past for this season. I would have refrained from saying over 11 with it being such a high number, but I really do think that their schedule allows for it, so I'll take the over with the Ravens. Cincinnati Bengals are up next at 6.0, and I'm going to take the under with them. I'm not one of these people that believes Joe Burrow is Joe Montana or the second coming of Christ that's going to save the Bengals franchise. I think the Bengals are very far away from providing any type of serious help for Burrow. I don't know if Zach Taylor can coach. I don't know how healthy their skill guys will be, what their defense will look like. All you've heard from Cincinnati is the Burrow pick for the most part this offseason. They play in arguably the toughest and most physical competitive division in football, especially on the defensive side. Pittsburgh should be better if Big Ben is healthy. I think Cleveland came away with an excellent coaching choice in Kevin Stefanski. So it's going to be an uphill climb for Cincinnati. They go to their three divisional opponents, two Indianapolis, two Houston, to Philadelphia, and improve Miami and to Washington. Where they have hope in getting to six wins is at home, where they play the Giants, Jaguars, and Cowboys. But the more I look at their schedule, I just cannot find six wins. They could easily go one and seven on the road, and with home games against Tennessee, the Chargers, and their three divisional opponents, I think they fall more into the four and five win range. So I'm going to go under for the Bengals. Cleveland Browns are at 8. I'm going to go over with them. And I've been very critical of Baker Mayfield, as you know. And he will be out of the league, or at very least, on another roster next year if the Browns cannot exceed 8 wins this season. I believe that they are just too talented. And their schedule really lines up nicely for them to do so. And their changes in the coaching staff, this is going to be one of those kind of anomalies against the premise that I set this up on, where... I think it will be difficult for new head coaches, but I do think Kevin Stefanski is the guy that will make this transition more seamlessly because he wants to run the football, and I don't think Baker Mayfield will be asked to throw it nearly as much as he was last year. Their toughest road game outside of the division is at Tennessee, which I believe is a very winnable game. They go to Dallas, Jacksonville, and the Giants and Jets as the other four non-divisional road games, all of which they could win. They get Washington, Indianapolis, Philadelphia, and Houston at home. You beat Cincinnati twice, win those four road games, pick off at least one game in the four against Pittsburgh or Baltimore, and all you must do is win two of those other four home games to get to nine wins. I think that's where they end up, and I think they find a way to get into the postseason this year. They're just too loaded on offense with a better head coach and staff this year not to do so. This is the one exception, like I said, I'm taking against what I opened with, steering away from new coach coordinator in such a strange offseason year, over on the Cleveland Browns. Pittsburgh Steelers, last team in the AFC North, 8.5. I'm going to go under with them. Going under because I'm not sure how much motivation or is left in the tank for Big Ben. His retirement's coming. I think it will be it after the season. I don't think it's as simple as just adding him back into the lineup and they can immediately jump from the 8 wins last year because they significantly overachieved last year. No wins against a winning team last year. Their schedule is easy with most of the tough games at home where they get Houston, Indy, Philly, Denver. They play Dallas, Jacksonville, the Giants, the Titans, and the Bills on the road. I think they're the same as they were last year, 8-8, eight eight, so I go under. The AFC South, start with the Houston Texans, 7.5. I'm going to go under with them. Houston's one of those teams I expect to take a step backwards this year. I don't contribute at all to the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, 
as no player outside the quarterback is worth more than half a point or a point in a matchup, no matter how good they are. I just think the division around them is better and they play a real tough first place schedule. Their tougher matchups are at home, they get New England, Baltimore, Green Bay, and Minnesota all at home. Those could easily be three of four losses because all those rosters are better than theirs. They must go to Cleveland, to Pittsburgh, which is never easy, to Kansas City, to Chicago, which is a tough place to play against that defense, and to Detroit. Indianapolis should be much improved, and even if they get a split with them and beat Jacksonville twice, I'm just hard-pressed to find five more wins on their schedule. So let's go under for Houston. Indianapolis Colts at 8.5. I'm going to go over with them. One of the more underrated rosters in the NFL and had a really good draft. They have a nice one-two punch at running back with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Rivers will be an upgrade over Brissett behind that terrific offensive line. I don't think he'll throw nearly as many picks or be nearly as under duress as he was in L.A. They get DeForest Buckner from the 49ers to help shore up the defensive line, and their schedule is favorable. Their toughest non-divisional games are all at home, where they get Baltimore, Green Bay, Minnesota, and the Jets. They go to Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, Vegas, and Pittsburgh, all games that could be won since their line can hold up against the Cleveland and Chicago pass rushes. They were 7-9 last year with Brissett on one leg. I certainly think with two wins against Jacksonville, a split with Tennessee and Houston, and who knows, maybe they beat Houston twice, they can find a way to get to nine wins, win the division, and be a playoff team. Jacksonville Jaguars next at five. I'm going to go under with them. Jacksonville shaping up to be one of the worst teams in the league, but I think five wins is a perfect number for them. I think Doug Marone has one foot out the door and will be gone at the end of the season, but he's won at least five games all five seasons as a head coach in this league, and let's face it, Gardner Minshew won some games last year regardless of what you think of him. They have a few winnable games at home against Detroit Miami. I don't foresee any road wins for them, but they just always seem to find a way to win games they don't have any business doing so or being in games they really shouldn't be. Anytime you see an awful team in this league going into the season, I don't think it ever ends up being as bad as forecasted. If there's a two or three win team this year, I think Jacksonville certainly will be that, but I don't think they will be as bad as advertised. The numbers just don't really work out in their favor schedule-wise, though. For betting purposes, I'll go under, but I could see this being a push. Final team in that division, the Tennessee Titans, 8.5. I'm going to go over for Tennessee. I think Tennessee's a real football team, and I don't think what you saw from Tannehill last year was a fluke. Remember, this guy was drafted in the top 10 by Miami, and he never really had any decent coaching there. I don't know if I would have paid him what they did, but I think he is in the top half of the league in terms of quarterback, and he's certainly an upgrade for Marcus Mariota, and I think that trend will continue. Eight and a half is low to me because they're coming off a nine-win season, so Vegas thinks they'll be worse, but I still think they'll find a way to win nine games. They've gone exactly nine and seven each of the last four years. Mike Vrabel's one of the more underrated coaches in this league. They don't have to play a first-place schedule and outside of Indianapolis, who seems to always split with them every year. The division is worse than last year. They go to Green Bay, Baltimore, Minnesota, and Denver, but outside of those games, every other game is winnable on their schedule. Their toughest home game is against either Indianapolis or Buffalo, however you look at it, and they have always found a way to knock off a top team in at least one game at home almost every year. Even if they go 0-4 in those four road games, they could easily go 6-2 at home. Then they just have to win 3-4 of four at Cincinnati, Houston, Indy, and Jacksonville, which is certainly possible. I don't think it's a guarantee they lose all four of those road games previously mentioned either. I'm going with the trend that they've had the last couple years. I'll take 9-7 with Tennessee for the fifth straight year and a playoff bubble bid being the second best team in the division. The last division in the AFC West will start with the Denver Broncos at 7.5. I'm going under with Denver. 
Denver's one of the hot picks this year to be a surprise team and challenge for a playoff spot with all the offseason moves they made and the draft they had. But let me remind you, that was the narrative about them last year, and they finished right around where they should have and had to win four of their last five to get to seven wins last year. Drew Locke showed some promise last year in those last five games, which were all he played, but if you look further into the numbers, he only had one 300-yard game, and the rest were 208 yards or less with three under 200 yards. Now, I will concede they are built to run the football, and adding Melvin Gordon to complement Philip Lindsay will make them one of the better backfields in the league. But this is an incredibly tough division where they are still probably the third best team. Their strength of schedule is ranked 12th. They must go to the Eastern Time Zone for all five non-divisional road games, which is always difficult for West Coast teams coming east in that early window, as four of those five games are 1 p.m. Eastern starts. The Jet game is on a Thursday night, which is even tougher of a travel week for them to go all that way in a short week. They also play the NFC South, which is a much improved division. Their home games include Tennessee, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, and Miami. It is a tough schedule, and I just don't see eight wins on it. They're going to have to win at least four road games, in my opinion, to get to eight wins, and I don't think they'll be able to have enough consistency going east for most of those games. I think seven and nine is right around where they end up so I'm under on the Broncos. Next up is the Kansas City Chiefs at 11 and a half. I'm going to go under with them. That's going to be a bit of a shock, I'm sure. It's not because I doubt their talent or their capabilities. I just simply think it's a product of how difficult their schedule is. The division is improving around them, and every tough game they have is on the road. They go to Baltimore, they go to Buffalo, they go to the Buccaneers, and they go to the Saints. The good news is in that all those games... They are spread out throughout the season, and they never really play a tough game back-to-back -back weeks, it seems. But with that tougher road schedule compared to last year's where they really didn't play a super hard schedule, I think they will trip up in a few games. And let's not forget, when you're the Super Bowl champs, you get every team's best shot. They circle that game on the calendar, and they come at you with everything they got, and I think that will contribute to at least one extra loss this season. I do think 11.5 is a perfect line as they have won 12 the last two years and at least 10 in 7 of the 8 seasons Andy Reid's been there. So it is tough to pick the under here, but I just think they will trip up on a couple of their tough road games and will be 11-5 on the year. I think they still win the division and they get a bye, they're just one game worse than they were last year. Next up is the Las Vegas Raiders at 7. I'm going to go even with them. Just like Denver, the Raiders must go to the East Coast five times for their road games, and all of them are 1 p.m. Eastern starts. Many of their tougher games are at home, as they get New Orleans, Buffalo, Indy, and Tampa Bay all at home. I think they struggle in division, as it is getting better around them, and they are not as strong as the Chargers, and I think they're probably either on par with Denver, or maybe a little above them, or maybe a bit below them, depending on how you look at it. I wonder about the move and how that's all going to work during the short and OTAs and the pandemic as well as they have to go to Vegas from Oakland. I think seven wins is the exact number, something that would be considered a good season. I think they have a good home field advantage, knock off one of those tougher games at home and go virtually 500 in the remaining 12 games for seven and nine. The last team in the AFC West, the Los Angeles Chargers at seven and a half. I'm going over with them. I think this is one of the easier picks on the board. The Chargers should improve from last year. They lost almost every game by one score and those trends don't repeat year after year. Same if you win a lot of one-score games one season, you generally don't keep winning them consistently. I think Tyrod Taylor is more than serviceable and will be an upgrade of sorts from Phil Rivers in the sense that he won't turn the ball over nearly as much. I don't like them losing Melvin Gordon, but they made some good upgrades at offensive line, getting Brian Balaga from Green Bay and Trey Turner from Carolina to go with Pouncey Freeney 
and Tevi at the other spots. Their defense is strong and their toughest games are mostly in the first quarter of the season. They only have three games on the East Coast at 1 o'clock, two of them against Miami and Cincinnati, which are both winnable. And after their Week 10 bye week, their toughest games are at Buffalo and at Kansas City to end the season, where Kansas City might already have the division wrapped up. So as long as they beat the teams they should, they can go 3-3 three and three in division and find a way to get five more wins. I think they're an 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, and seven team that pushes for the playoffs, but ultimately falls short. But I am going over for the Los Angeles Chargers. On to the NFC we go now. Starting the NFC East, Dallas Cowboys 9.5. I'm going to go under with this one. I think it's a pretty easy one. I think the Cowboys win eight games this year. That's their season. This is a team that has lost arguably its two most key defensive players in Byron Jones and Robert Quinn. They lost four starters on defense overall, plus five-time Pro Bowl center Travis Frederick announced his retirement this year. Yes, they got CeeDee Lamb in the draft and have one of the better offensive weapons arsenals in the league, but we still don't know just how good Dak Prescott is. In almost every game he played, especially last year, with superior talent against the teams he played, he faltered. I think McCarthy was a good hire, and it will be a way for Dak to improve, but I just don't think in this type of offseason it's going to click right away. They go to LA to face the Rams for the opening of SoFi Stadium, then they play an improved Atlanta, and then go to Seattle, then host Cleveland. That could very well be 1-3, and, and with games at Minnesota, at Baltimore, and against San Francisco in three of the last seven games of the year, I don't think they're going to have enough opportunities to dig themselves out of a hole they might build for themselves early in the season. Again, this is a team you really think they're better than they were last year after all their losses on offense and defense? I just don't think so. So we're going to go under for Dallas. New York Giants next team, 6.5. Definitely going under with them. I do think this is another easy one. Giants have been poorly run in recent years, and outside the two Super Bowls in the last 15 years, they really have been mediocre at best. No playoff wins outside those two Super Bowl runs since 2000, and only one playoff appearance since 2011. With Joe Judge coming in during the strange offseason, I don't think a whole new staff can just airlift a team that's truly rebuilding anyway. Daniel Jones showed flashes last year, but I don't expect him to take this monumental leap to make them a playoff contender or contend for the division. They had a very good draft, better than I think people gave them credit for, but their schedule is very tough. They get Pittsburgh at home week one, assuming Roethlisberger is healthy, that's no easy game. Then at Chicago, home for San Francisco, then at the LA Rams and at Dallas. They could be staring 0-5 in the face very quickly, and that doesn't include facing Tampa Bay or trips to Seattle and Baltimore, which means they would have to win seven of the other eight games, which I just don't foresee. I think they're 5-11 and at best in what will continue to be a rebuild, so we go under for the Giants. Philadelphia Eagles next at 9.5. I'm going to go under with them. I think their number is perfect. I think they're one win on either side of 9.5. They're either 9 or 10 wins. For betting purposes, I'm going to go under, though. I'm still not overly impressed with Carson Wentz, and I have serious doubts about his ability to stay healthy. They did address wide receiver by getting Jalen Rieger from TCU, and the backup problem solved with Jalen Hurts, but that's only if Wentz misses a game or two. I don't believe Hurts can come in in his rookie season and get a lot of wins if he must play 5, 6, 7, 8 games. This is the best roster in the division, though, and they should manage at least 4 of 6 wins in division. I'm just skeptical of them getting 6 more wins if they do get 4 in the division. They get nearly all their tough games at home, but they still play the Rams, 49ers, Ravens, Browns, Seahawks, Saints, and Packers. That's a staggeringly tough 7 games out of division. I think they get to 9 wins and still manage to win the division at 9-7. and seven. 
so they're just under for me. Last team in the division, the Washington Redskins. They're over under totals five. I'm going to go over with this one, although I do think it is a perfect number again. I'm not a believer in Dwayne Haskins necessarily, but I am a believer in Riverboat Ron, and I think he finds a way to get them to five or six wins. They were competitive in a lot of their losses late in the season last year against some good teams, and the schedule shapes up better than it did last year for them. I think they will play much better defensively under Ron Rivera. Chase Young is going to make an immediate impact, and if Haskins is not awful, their offense should be okay. This is a pick that's pure gut and belief on Rivera, more so than numbers. I'm going with it. Redskins over, finishing either 5-11 or 6-10. NFC North is next. Chicago Bears 7.5. I'm going to go under with them. I was never a believer in Mitch Trubisky, nor have I ever been a believer in Nick Foles. This team has a good enough defense to win 6 or 7 games, but I don't think they can get any further than that. They don't have super playmakers on the outside, although I do think Allen Robinson is a very nice receiver. Getting Jimmy Graham really doesn't do anything for me. He's been mostly irrelevant since leaving New Orleans outside of a one touchdown heavy season in Seattle. I think their numbers are a product of their poor QB play. Foles' reputation is off three playoff games and nothing else. I like Matt Nagy. I do think he is a very creative play caller and is a good head coach. I just think it will be too much for the team to overcome their bad quarterback play, and they are the third best team in their division. They have to win every easy game on their schedule, which would include beating Detroit twice, to have a shot at eight wins. They play at Atlanta versus Indianapolis versus Tampa at the LA Rams versus the Saints at Tennessee versus Houston plus Minnesota and Green Bay twice each. I don't think at Carolina is a rollover either so I just struggle finding eight wins on the schedule. I think they end up seven and nine so under for the Bears. Detroit Lions seven. I'm gonna go under. This is an egregious number for Detroit even if Stafford comes back and plays all 16 games. My money is that he will not. His back injuries are very troublesome, and I don't think they really addressed any offensive line issues to protect him. Jeff Okuda will come in as a pro bowler right away, I think, and I do like the DeAndre Swift pick in the second round. But this team just has way too many holes, and Matt Patricia will be fired before season's end. Outside of at Jacksonville in Week 6, their first eight games could all be losses. Versus Chicago, at Green Bay, at Arizona, versus New Orleans, at Atlanta, versus Indianapolis, at Minnesota. They still have at Carolina versus Houston, at Tennessee versus Tampa Bay, and Minnesota and Green Bay again. I don't see seven wins there at all. I think they're 5-11 and 11 at best. They need a new head coach and they will get one next offseason. This is an easy under for the Lions. Green Bay Packers are up next, 8.5. I'm taking the over with them. My criticism, Aaron Rodgers, is well documented, but he's still incredible in a shoe-in for eight wins a year if he's healthy. They've only won less than 10 games in a season. Rodgers was healthy once in the last 10 years. I don't think they're anywhere near 13 wins like last year, but I think they're at least 9. They will continue to run the football more and play decent defense, and Rodgers will make necessary throws to win them games. Their schedule is tougher playing the NFC South and an improved AFC South, with San Francisco and Philadelphia as the common opponents out of division. They should beat Detroit twice, at a minimum split with Chicago and Minnesota, and they're always strong at home, fans or no fans. So I think they get to 9 and are a playoff team. Let's go over with the Packers. Last team in the NFC North, Minnesota Vikings, 8.5. I'm taking the over, and I do think this is an easy one too. The Vikings have one of the best rosters in the NFL, and it got better this offseason. They will feel the loss of Kevin Stefanski, I think, but they have had three different offensive coordinators the last three years and have been fine. They've won eight games or more each of the last five seasons. Mike Zimmer's never been worse than 7-9 since he got there in 2014. 
Justin Jefferson will come in and have an impact at receiver. Their defense is always strong. They run the ball with Cook, and I think they luck out with the schedule getting almost all their non-division road games either in a dome or in warm weather, besides at Seattle, which they almost won last year. I expect the Vikings to vault over the Packers, get to 10 wins, and win the division. It's a definite over for the Vikings. On to the NFC South we go. The Atlanta Falcons are first at 7 flat. I think it's an even for them, although I'm going to go under since I do have to make a pick. Seven wins is the perfect number for Atlanta, though. Year after year, they are the most difficult team to decipher, in my opinion. Dan Quinn looked dead in the water last year before they peeled off six out of eight wins to end the year. This is a good football team, and Matt Ryan is still very serviceable. They add Todd Gurley, which will be a nice addition so long as they don't ask him to carry the ball 25-plus times in every game. They addressed a few defensive issues in the draft, getting A.J. Terrell and Marlon Davidson in the first two rounds, who could both start early. Their schedule is just tough. Having trips to Green Bay and Kansas City, plus adding two games against Tom Brady in division, is not favorable. They do get some tougher games at home, but facing Breeze and Brady a combined four times, plus Carolina should be improved in my opinion. I think seven wins would be a good season for the Falcons. I have it at even, but again, I have to choose, so I'm going to go under for the Falcons. Carolina Panthers is next. They're at five and a half, and I'm going to go over, and I think this is an easier one. The Panthers are a team I believe will surprise people this year, and I think it's an easy over. I know the whole OTA losses with Matt Rule coming in plus having a new QB in Bridgewater, but Bridgewater is exactly what this franchise needs. Many Cam Newton lovers will protest, but Bridgewater is an upgrade from Cam, and will not give games away like Cam used to. They will be in almost every game they play. They spend every draft pick on defense, so even if half of those don't pan out, they should get at least two starters out of it. They still have the best all-purpose running back in the game in Christian McCaffrey, and I think the addition of Robbie Anderson is nice, especially since he won't have to be the wide receiver one with DJ Moore on the other side. This team is more talented than most people realize, and if the defense makes even a little improvement, I think the offense improves and Carolina will be a good football team. I would not be surprised if they end up winning seven or eight games, even though the division's getting better around them. I think this sets an easy over for the Panthers. New Orleans Saints next at 10 flat. I'm going over with them. Saints are one of the best teams in the NFL and they continue to be, so long as Drew Brees is under center. They have some of the best offensive weapons in the game and playmakers on defense too. Their schedule is tough this year as Brady enters the division, but almost all their tough games are at home. Outside of at Philadelphia and at Denver, they get Kansas City, San Francisco, Green Bay, the LA Chargers, and Minnesota all at home. I think it will be close to 10 wins. I think they will have missteps, especially knowing how irrelevant the regular season has been with them, with all their heartbreaking postseason losses the last three seasons. But they are just too talented and too well coached to not be the class of the NFC once again this year. I think they get to 11 wins, so it's an over for the Saints. Last team in the division, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 10 even. Not only did the Bucs convince Brady to sign, they finagled to get Gronk to come along for the ride. Now, I'm not a believer Gronk will return to Pro Bowl form and be the feature of the Buccaneers' offense. Still needs to get back in NFL shape and put some weight back on, but I think he will make his money in the red zone and be a good blocker like he always has been. The heavy lifting is going to be on Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, who are two very good receivers. Mike Evans is one of the best in the game. Tom makes them an NFC title contender, but I still believe the Saints have a better overall roster, and it will take some time for Brady to adjust to a new system after 20 years in New England. However, they did get some scheduling breaks, which is why I think they will get at least two 10 wins. 
They get Green Bay, Kansas City, the LA Rams, and Chargers, and Minnesota all at home. Plus, they don't have any cold weather games at all. So as long as all these games are played on time, they won't have any cold weather games. They open at New Orleans, which is difficult, and they go to Denver week three, since teams always struggle early in the season in the high altitude at Denver. This team was arguably a playoff team last year, though winning seven games despite 36 total turnovers from James Winston. Brady's not going to turn the ball over nearly half as many times as that, and with an underrated defense and one of the better offensive coaches in this league, the Buccaneers should be a playoff team. I think 10 wins is the perfect number, like I said, as they will fall within one game of that, or right on the line, I think. Like I said, for picking purposes, I would go under, though, just because I do think the transition to Tampa will be tough at first, but they should hit their stride by week 6-8, to eight, and then I would take them against almost anyone. So I do think they do go 10-6, and six, but for betting purposes, I'll take the under. And the last division in the league, the NFC West. The Arizona Cardinals will start with there at 7, and I'm going to go even with them. I think that's a perfect number. Kyler Murray is the one player nobody talks about or sees, but everyone should. He's going to be a staple in this league moving forward, I think, and I do believe he is going to take a leap this season, especially with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. They just play in the same division as arguably the two best teams in the NFC in Seattle and San Francisco, and just that just makes it difficult to pick them to go any higher than seven wins. They do get some early opportunities in the season, though. They get Washington and Detroit at home in weeks two and three. They go to Carolina, the Jets, and Dallas the next three weeks after that which will be tough having two straight East Coast 1 o'clock games in a row. They get to play Miami and New England. They get Buffalo at home. I think the 4 1 p.m. Eastern starts will be tough on them, but I do think most of their tough games are at home, where if they could pick up one or two games against San Francisco, Seattle out of those four, they should be able to beat the Giants, Dolphins, maybe the Jets, Lions, Redskins, Rams. I think this is a team that will be off the radar for most people. I do think they move ahead of the Rams this year, though. I do think they get to seven wins and possibly eight. I like the direction the Cardinals are headed. I do think seven wins is perfect, like I said, but if I had to bet either way, I would take a chance on Arizona and take the over. The LA Rams are next at eight. I'm going under with them. I've been very disappointed with the Rams. I think the Sean McVay genius days are behind the LA Rams and they're gonna return to the middle of the pack, especially this season. I do like Jared Goff, but the offense is eroding around him at a rapid pace. Their offensive line really struggled last year with injuries, plus Gurley and Cooks are gone. I don't think Robert Woods is a top wide receiver for a football team, and as much as I do like Cooper Cup, I don't know how he would be if he's in the number one slot either. I think a lot of the time those guys build off of being part of a committee like they were the last two years. This team is built off their power running game too, and when they couldn't run the ball last year they had drift difficulties throwing off play action. They did draft Cam Akers and will go running back by committee when you add their defensive talent losses as well, they're not nearly as talented as they once were last year, let alone two years ago. Their schedule is not overly difficult as they get games against New England, the Jets, Giants, Dallas, and Chicago, which are all at home. Their trip to Buffalo is early enough in the season where it's still warm in Orchard Park, and the Miami trip is not until November. They do go to Tampa Bay and have three 1 p.m. Eastern away games in the first five weeks. Five of their first seven games are on the road. I just think they've had too many roster and coaching changes in a difficult offseason year. Wade Phillips is gone on the defensive side. I just think the Rams fall off even further from their Super Bowl pace. And I think they finish 7-9, and nine, so I'm going to take the under for the Rams. San Francisco 49ers are 10.5, and, and I'm going over with them. This is a pick I struggled with for a lot of reasons. Normally, most Super Bowl losing teams have a Super Bowl hangover. 
and nobody can really decipher why. I just have a very difficult time believing the 49ers will suffer from such a fate, especially since their roster is better than it was last year. Their schedule is not nearly as tough as you'd think for a team that went to the Super Bowl. They get three winnable games to start the year, a home game against Arizona, then they go to the Jets and to the Giants. Yeah, they do go to the East Coast back-to-back weeks, like I said, for 1 p.m. Eastern starts, but the 49ers have traveled well under Kyle Shanahan, and maybe they'll just stay in New York for those two games instead of flying back and forth. They did some creative things last year when they had a couple of East Coast games in a row. After that, they get Philadelphia, Miami, and the L.A. Rams all at home. Before their four-tough game stretch at New England, at Seattle, versus Green Bay, then at New Orleans. They get Buffalo and Washington at home after the bye, and the Seahawks Week 17 is their only game against the team with a winning record in 2019 in their last four games. When doing the complicated mathematic equation of schedule, talent, and Super Bowl hangover, I just couldn't weigh the Super Bowl hangover that heavily versus the other two. Getting Trent Williams to replace Joe Staley, so long as Williams can still play, should be a seamless transition at left tackle. They added more to an already stacked defensive line, getting Javen Kinlaw in the first round. Brandon Ayuk will fit in nicely at receiver opposite Debo Samuel and George Kittle. I'm a big believer in Jimmy G, and I just don't see a big drop in their abilities at all. I think they find a way to win 11 games. I don't know if it's enough to win the division this year, but it certainly will come down to those two matchups against Seattle, so I like the over for the 49ers. And the last team, the Seattle Seahawks, at 9 wins. I'm going over for them as well. This is another easy one on the board for me, as Seattle is one of the best teams in the league with arguably the best QB in football not named Patrick Mahomes. They have everything you want in a football team if they can just find a decent running back to stay healthy. I think they would have beaten the Packers last year in the playoffs. This is a team that defies the early start on the East Coast for West Coast teams conundrum, having won all five of their East Coast games last year. So I don't worry about the four 1 o'clock Eastern starts for them. Their schedule is a mixed bag. I think there are a lot of wins early and late in the year. They open without Atlanta, then they're home against New England and Dallas before going to Miami. I think that could easily be 4-0 later. Besides going to Philadelphia in Week 12, if you go Weeks 10 to 17, they go at the LA Rams versus the Cardinals, at Philadelphia versus the Giants versus the Jets, at Washington versus the Rams, then at San Francisco to finish. I think there's a lot of wins in that stretch. I think Seattle is going to challenge for the Super Bowl this year again, and perhaps they will get that extra yard to win the division this year and get a home field in the playoffs. I think Seattle's easily over nine wins this year, as I could see them winning 11 or 12 games. So those are the over-under picks and predictions for the 2020 NFL season. Of course, all subject to change based on injuries, etc. before the start of the season, but mostly I do stand by these picks outside of a big-time quarterback injury or something like that. Schedule itself, again, this I don't think it has as much of an impact as it would in normal years, since I do think the home field advantage will be diminished without fans in the stands this season, or at least you know at full capacity. I just don't foresee a way that you're going to be able to put a lot of people in the buildings with everything that's going on. So those are the picks. Like I said, they will be up in a column. So that way they will be there for everybody to see and criticize when I am wrong about certain picks and right about others. So that will do it for this edition of the JG3 Experience Podcast. My thanks again, as always, to our sponsors, Anchor and Upstate Social it's good to catch up with all of you listeners out there again. As always, don't forget to check out my website, jg3experience.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, 
or wherever you listen to podcasts, and feel free to leave a review. It's always greatly appreciated. Signing off, once again, I am Joe Gill, where I am taking on the world one unfavorable take and opinion at a time. And until next time, ice melts all around me. Together we will, together we will make it breeze.